Man, a big welcome to you. And we are launching a new series today that is entitled Labels. And I truly believe over these next four weeks, God is going to do something powerful in our lives. I've been prepping for this series like a mad beast, been devouring content, been in prayer, been brainstorming it. And I really believe God's going to do something powerful in our lives. And I, I think this series of messages, in fact, let me just go beyond I think. I know that this series of messages is going to be a word from the Lord into the hearts of people to bring freedom for what might be the most challenging thing about living in our age. Discovering who you are and being who God has called you to be for His glory and for the life that He has for you. We're going to dive into it this morning. If you're ready, shout amen. Amen. Powerful. All right, I want to read out two verses to you today from the Message Bible. I'm going to read them, then we're going to pray, then we're going to dive into this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 from the Message Bible is going to come up on your screens. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us and had designs for us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. That's a verse. Let me read the first verse, first sentence one more time. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I'll read it again. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I feel like I've got to read it one more time. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. That's how we find out who we are and what we're living for. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give life to this message. God, I really pray that you'd help me to speak it like it's in my heart. I really do believe you've given me a word that is going to help some people, and I pray that you let it come out of me the way that I feel you gave it to me. I bind every distraction. May there just be freedom in every life, every room, every, every lounge room. Give us clarity. I pray the sound of every television will be just anointed, that this message would come forth with clarity into every heart, life, and home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. At the heart of what God wants for us, is clarity. We live in a world of confusion. There is so much confusion all around. But at the heart of what God wants for us is that we would be clear. Confusion comes with turmoil. When you have confusion in your life, it robs you of peace. When confusion is there, it brings with it stress and conflict and insecurity And we live our lives without the tranquility God desires. And so if there is one thing God wants to bring into our lives, it is clarity. God wants us to be clear. And by clear, I mean clear about who you are, clear about our place in the world, clear about who He has made us to be. God wants us to be clear. God is clear. God's not confused about who He is. God lives with absolute clarity. This is who I am. I am. I am. God's so secure and so clear in who He is 
that when Moses said to him, who shall I say sent me? When he was going back to Egypt and he was looking for some descriptive to give of the God that was sending him, Moses says to God, who shall I say sent me? And God said to Moses, tell them I am. I don't need an adjective to describe me. I don't need to add anything to my personhood. I'm complete in my own self-comprehension. God is clear. We see the same clarity in Jesus. His disciples once said to him, how can we know the way? And Jesus just responds by saying, well, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. They were confused about the direction and in contrast, Jesus was clear. Another time, Jesus was having a disagreement with the Pharisees around who was the sons of Abraham, who were the true children of faith. And they're having this conflict really about who ranks the highest in the biblical heroes and where does Jesus fit into it all. And so the Pharisees eventually said to Jesus, are you greater than Moses? And Jesus just answers, well, before Moses was, I am. It doesn't even make grammatic sense. Before Moses was, I was. That would be how you should say it. But Jesus is acknowledging, this is who I am. By the way, he was also refusing to put himself into finite terms. He was denying that he had an origin, denying that he had an end. He's saying in two words, I am. I am the alpha. I am the meager. Moses turned up here, but I was before him. I'm after him. I am. Jesus, his clarity was evidenced in his personal security. Because Jesus was clear about who he was, he didn't need to overemphasize his place. He just said, I am. He didn't trivialize himself either. He wasn't like self-abasing and backwards coming forwards. Jesus just said, I am. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in John 13, 3 to 5, where the Bible just says about Jesus that he knew that the Father had placed all things under his power, that he came from God, and that he was returning to God. So the Scripture just says he got up from the table, took off his clothing, wraps a towel around his waist, and washes his disciples' feet. What's that got to do with anything? Knowing that he had come from God, that he was going to God, In other words, knowing that he was clear, because Jesus was clear about who he was, his clarity freed him from being concerned about how his actions might be perceived by others. Jesus is just like, I don't care what I do, it doesn't change who I am. Jesus was clear. There is power in clarity. When you're clear about who you are, there is so much power. In fact, the third time we find Jesus using the phrase, I am, is in the garden where he was arrested. The Bible says they come out, all these soldiers, and they say, we're after Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. When he said those words, I am, it's the same phrase that he used when he said before Moses was, I am. Very, very powerful. Don't have time for it, but theologically, very, very powerful. And the Bible says that as Jesus announced, I am, that all of the soldiers drew back and fell to the ground. That's basically a way of saying that they were literally thrown backwards onto the ground. Not forwards, they weren't prostrating themselves. Power was released from Jesus and it knocked them to the ground. The clarity with which Jesus declared, this is who I am, released such power that it knocked the, the soldiers to the ground. 
my Lord. There is power in clarity. The clarity that God wants to bring into our lives is so that our lives are going to have resonance in the world that is around us. God wants our lives to be something that literally has got power because we have clarity, because we know who we are, and release from us is an impact that is going to go into the world and make a difference. It's like a drum. <laughs> you ever seen one of those guys with those big drums and they just sit there playing with it? You can pitter-patter on the edges of the drum. You can tap the edges. It's tinny. It's hollow. It has a place in the grand scheme of music. But the truth is, if you, all you do is pitter-patter, touching the edges of the drum, eventually it's, it's trebly. It, it lacks depth and richness and tone. It, eventually, it's just kind of like it gets a bit annoying, like someone who won't shut up. It's just like... You're pitter-pattering around the edges, but if you take the heel of your hand and you, you put it into the center of the drum, if you whack it right in the middle, it's not tinny and trebly. It has bass and resonance and tone and warmth and, res and it impacts out. Bass goes beyond walls. When you build a building like the one that we're in now, the treble noise is no problem. People around this neighborhood can't hear it. But we had to spend a lot of money putting insulating layers around the roof and around, you know, concrete walls all around because it's the base that gets out. It's not the pitter-pattering on the edges of your life that it's going to make a difference in the world that is around you. It's when you're hitting your life in the center, when you're clear. This is who God has called me to be. This is what He's called me to do. This is my place in the world. I know who I am. When your life is lived in the center, then it's going to have an impact in the world that is around us. That's why God wants clarity for us. God wants you to know who you are. He wants to awaken our potential. He wants to free us from confusion. He wants us to be sure of our place in the world. He wants us relaxed, relaxed, and at peace with ourselves. Got nothing to prove. Nobody to impress, no fear living over my shoulders, no rejection hanging over me, nobody that I'm overreaching for. This is me. I am. I am. Before Moses was, I am. Who sent me? Tell him I am. God wants that clarity that he has to be found in us. It's really hard to relate to that kind of clarity. In the world in which we live, it's really hard to find clarity. We've seen arrogance. We've seen insecurity. We haven't seen a lot of clarity. We get a hint that it must be possible when we start to read the epistles of the New Testament and we see the way these apostles referred to themselves. I mean, when you look at Paul and his, his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 1, this is what he wrote. This is just his introductory sentence. I love it. How do you present yourself to other people? Let's get an example of clarity. He said, Paul, comma, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Paul, an apostle by commandment of Jesus. This is who I am. Jump over to chapter 2, verse 7, and he says he is an apostle and a herald to the Gentiles. He's saying, this is my name, this is my office, this is my calling. God hasn't called me to the Jews, he's called me to the Gentiles. In other words, this is who I am, and this is who I'm not. 
The Apostle Paul just lives with such a phenomenal sense of clarity. And when we look at the impact of his life, it is because of the Apostle Paul that the Christian faith reached the center of Rome and then eventually spread out through the Roman Empire to become the world's dominant belief system and still to this very day is growing faster than any other religion on the face of the planet because one man lived a life of clarity. That's what God wants for us. God wants us clear so that our lives has a resonance that's going to truly impact the world and so that we enjoy the life that we live. But when we think about the world in which we live, the truth is the kind of clarity we see in the apostles, really it presents itself more as an outlier. It's not a daily experience. This isn't the reality that most of us live with. When I stand in the foyer of church services, the truth is one of the most common questions that I get asked with is people trying to figure out who am I and what has God called me to do? Our experience, the vast majority of those hearing this message today are not going to be saying, John, I've got absolute clarity. Our journey in life is one of confusion. Who am I? Is there anything special about me? How can I make the world a better place? Am I okay? Like, is there there anything wrong with me? Am I I doing okay? I mean, compared to other people? Compared to what God wants? Am I a good person? There is so much Confusion, isn't there? So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I've spent a lot of my life just confused. It's like, am I doing the right thing? Is this who I'm supposed to be? And we're just bombarded with things that we can hold ourselves in light of. And it just feels like we live in a world of such confusion and the search for ourselves, team. This is probably one of the most dominant themes of our generation. I mean, you look at the hot spot topics that are going on in our world today, and our world is alive with the thought that people are just trying to figure out who the heck we are. There is so much confusion. And straight into that confusion, here is God's word from 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God doesn't interact with our lives to leave us in turmoil. God doesn't interact with our lives to leave us stressed out and broken and anxious and fearful and self-loathing. God is not the author of confusion. He's the God who comes to our lives to bring us peace. Come on, somebody in the lounge room needs to clap their hands. God doesn't want to make me clouded. God doesn't want to make me confused. God wants to make me clear. He wants to bring clarity to my heart, clarity to my soul, to strip away all of the stuff that is in my life that has messed me up and to help me to live with the beautiful, clarifying, freeing, peace-giving, hope-bringing, life-infusing, joy-bringing sense of I know who God has called me to be. Why are we so confused? The reason why we're so confused is because the God of this world is the devil. God comes to our lives and he wants to make us clear. But the Bible also says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes, the devil comes, only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil is wanting to bring confusion, question, torment into the souls of, of our lives to destroy the clarity of who God has created us to be.
That's what the devil wants for you. He wants you tormented, confused, clouded, apprehensive, comparative, doubting, fearful. Doesn't want you living with peace. Doesn't want you hitting your life in the middle of the drum. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 tells us that the way that we battle the devil, the greatest war in the world is the battle with the devil. And the greatest arena of that warfare, the greatest battle, the theater of our war is in here. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says our weapons are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the power and down of strongholds. We demolish strongholds, arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. We have to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ because that's where the battle is. The battle's in our thoughts. Now, in stark contrast to the confusion that happens in our thoughts, check out Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts to give you uh, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God is so clear. What God is thinking about you is not cloudy, not murky. It is abundantly clear, but we live our lives with so much confusion. Well, the Bible tells us about the devil, that the devil is the accuser of our soul, of the brethren, the adversary of our souls, and Jesus told us that the devil is the father of lies. Lies. That what the devil is trying to bring into your mind is not the clarifying truth of God into your world, but the murkiness and confusion of his lies. And when we lose God in our lives, Romans 1.25 tells us that when we lose God, we exchange the truth about God for a lie, and we worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. In other words, the truth gets replaced by lies, and clarity gets replaced by confusion. We want a life that is able to be built upon a bedrock, a foundation of truth. Because truth is the only thing that doesn't alter once you put your foot on it. A lie is a shifting sand. It's an ever-changing landscape. And the world in which we live is full of confusion because we reject the truth about God. And so God is saying, I want to get rid of the confusion, and I want to bring you into abundant clarity. When When we lose the truth, when the God of this age begins to put lies into our minds, Our true identity is replaced by labels. What's a label? A label is a perception of who we are that did not originate in the plan of God. What's a label? A perception about who we are that did not originate in the plan of God. That's what a label is. The greatest strategy the devil uses against us is to distort our understanding of who God has called us to be. The devil understands that if you hit your life in the center, there is a resonant boom that could go beyond a concrete wall. The devil knows that if you could live the life God has called you to live, that you could make a difference in the world that is around you. So his greatest strategy is to distort your understanding, to replace the clarifying truth of God's plan with the confusion of the devil's lies. So that he can lead us to a place in our lives where we are double-guessing, overwhelmed, overwhelmed, questioning, and confused. Because the greater the confusion, the greater the damage. The greater the confusion, the greater the damage. Because of the devil's lies in our lives, we live our lives, all of us, with labels. And the labels that we live with, the labels that we live with. 
the, the, the perception of who we are that did not originate in the plan of God. Because of the labels that we live with in our lives, we live with internal conflict. Who am I? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? What's, what's my true identity? What's my place in the world that is around me? Where am I going? What does God want for me? It's internal conflict. It's a lot of ruminating that doesn't produce any action. It's just conflict. It's turmoil. It's waters that are stirred up. And you can never really see what's really at the bottom of it all. The truth never really kind of comes out. We just live with the conflict. The second thing that happens is when we live with the devil's lives in our minds, we understand what it is to have painful emotions. When the devil's lies are in our lives, we live ourselves with comparison. I'm looking at you, seeing what God has called you to do. Then I'm looking at me in light of you. And I feel good or bad about me depending on you. So I look at you and I think she's so popular. He's such a strong leader. Look at the way they have such, I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could dance like them. I wish I had that creative ability. I wish I was organized like they are. I wish I could parent like they do. I wish I wasn't a parent. Whatever it is, we're looking at our lives and we're experiencing a lot of painful emotions. And with, with our comparison, we then live with rejection, fear, self-loathing and resentment. And as a result of our internal conflict and our painful emotions, the truth is the real culprit is wasted potential. What could happen through your life isn't happening through your life. The closer what you do comes from who you are, the greater the impact will be. I want to repeat that. The closer what you do comes from who you are, the greater the impact will be. When I am living my life as me, being the person God has called me to be, that's when my life is going to make a difference. When you are trying to present to others a projection of who you are, then it will always be a hollow facade and not a substantive contribution. You might have the right labels, clothing labels. You might have everything going on in your life that makes you look good. But the truth is, you're measuring yourself by the image you want to project rather than the impact God wants you to bring. At the start of this series, I want to make one thing abundantly clear. Everybody listening to this message, listen to the sound of my voice. Whenever we experience confusion, fear, resentment, or doubt about who we are and what God has called us to do, we are experiencing emotions and feelings that God has not intended for us. Let me say it one more time. Whenever we experience confusion, fear, resentment, or doubt about who we are and what God has called us to do, we are experiencing emotions and feelings that God has not intended for us. God wants us to be clear. When God created Adam and Eve and He placed them in the garden, they had clarity. He made them, He put them in the garden. He said, have dominion, rule and reign, it's yours, have at it. And we don't see people who are clouded, confused, full of self-doubt. We just see Adam and Eve, by the way, stark naked, rolling around in the garden. 
and in charge of the entire planet that God had entrusted to them. And still, to this very day, what the devil is trying to do is to come into our lives and do Genesis 3. The devil comes along, and the Bible says the devil lied to them, and what he presented was questions about the heart of God towards them. Questions about the heart of God towards them. Did God really say? Did God really say? God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like God. In other words, the greatest way the devil attacks the validity of God's word and God's plan is to attack God's nature and his intentions towards you. That's what the devil does. The devil's not an idiot. He doesn't come up to you and say, hey, you should have more fun doing this. He goes, God doesn't really intend good things for you when he says do that. He questioned the heart of God and the intentions of God towards them. The devil comes to our lives to question the purity of God's love, to undermine the validity of his commandments and make God's commandments seem like they are good for God, but they're bad for us. That's why I love Psalm 119 verse 32, where David wrote, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free, because God wants us to be free. But the devil positioned it like God was manipulating or exploiting them. What the devil was wanting to do was to hold back what God was wanting to bring into their lives. What God was wanting to do is to keep them from any experience that would be good for their enjoyment, but not good for their well-being. God is wanting you and I to live a life that is anchored in who He wants us to be. Adam and Eve thought that what was going to happen was that they were going to eat of the fruit of the tree and then they would be like God. We get this experience and then we get a better life. You will be like God. Your life will be better if you eat of this. Instead, the Bible tells us that the moment that they ate of it, their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. What the devil is wanting to do is to add confusion to confusion. Get you and I to engage in more experimentation to take us away from God's plan so that we live our lives with more of the harmful experiences that God doesn't want us to know in our lives. Is this making sense? The Bible says when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, they realized they were naked and they made fig leaves to cover themselves. And God turns up and he says, where are you? And Adam and Eve said, I was afraid, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. Three clear consequences of Adam and Eve being separated from God's love. Number one, a confused identity. The first impact of sin into our world, Adam said, I was naked. My identity is no longer clear. Who I am called to be is no longer obvious. I'm not completing myself. There's something wrong with me. I know I'm not who I should be. I'm naked. I'm naked. I need to be different. I need to be better. I'm not the place that I should be. The second thing the Bible says is that Adam spoke to God and he said, I was afraid because I was naked. And the second thing that we experience is emotional turmoil. He said, I was afraid. Self-doubt, 
fear, insecurity, comparison were all awakened in this moment. Most people in our world today experience emotions that God never intended for them to know. I think you could almost say every person experiences emotions that God never intended for them to know. Fear, self-doubt, self-loathing, comparison, insecurity. These were never meant to be part of our human experience. The emotional turmoil that dominates our lives is not the result of a journey I need to go on. It's the result of sin that is in my life. The third thing that happens is the Bible says that they made coverings. And the third thing that took place is that they projected a facade. In their lives, they stopped projecting who they really were, and they started projecting an image that they wanted other people to see. They made fig leaves. They took, made, got fig leaves, and they made coverings. Because they believed they were flawed, they hid themselves behind something that they projected to everybody else. We still do it. We still do it. We hide behind facades. We've got labels, clothing labels that are facades. We've got cars that are facades. We've got education that we lean into that becomes a facade. We have a postcode, an address. It's a facade. Confused and afraid that we aren't good just as we are. We create a facade that we project to the world that is around us to hide the confusion and pain that is on the inside of us. A superficial understanding of who you are is the greatest threat to your calling and happiness. A superficial understanding of yourself is the greatest preventer of your happiness and your impact in the world. The clearer you are about who you are and what God has called you to do, the better your life will be. The deeper your understanding about who you are and what God has called you to do, the greater your joy and the greater your contribution. Psalm 139 verse 14 is like an, just this verse that echoes to us that it must be possible because the psalmist wrote, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and my soul knows that very well. It's not necessarily our experience, but it's like a beacon of hope that if the psalmist found it, we can find it. And that I believe is the entire heartbeat of God towards us. That's what our journey over the next four weeks, come every week. Don't just come this week. Come next week, come the week after that, come the week after that. Because I truly believe God wants to take us on a journey in our lives so that Psalm 139 verse 14 is not just something that we read, but something we experience. I praise you. I am fearfully made, wonderfully made. My soul knows it. Not remotely, but very, very well. God did good when He made me. I am alive for a reason. My life has a purpose. I can be a person of contribution. God didn't stuff up when He created me. I'm so happy being in my skin. This is who God made me to be. So if this is not what God wants, if God doesn't want all of these labels to become our experiences, how do we find the clarity that God has promised, that God has and that what the clarity God desperately wants for us. Well, the answer is in our text for today. Ephesians chapter one and verse 11. It's in Christ 
that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us and had designs for us for not average living, not confused living, not mediocre living, not broken living, not tormented living, for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose. You're part of God's overall plan for the world. You're not a weak little nobody. You're not an insignificant leftover. You're not a reject. You're not a flawed vessel. You're a child of the Most High God. God created you for a reason. You're alive with divine purpose. Oh, my Lord. God wants that not just to be a hype beast experience that we clap our hands to in a lounge room and machueca this Sunday. God wants it to be something that we know in the heart of who we are. And the answer to the clarity question, where do I find clarity? It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I'm not going to find it in a magazine. I'm not going to find it in an Instagram post. I'm not going to find it in getting the right labels or the right car. I'm not going to find it in a flex. I'm going to find it in Jesus. That's who I find out who I am and what I am living for. This verse screams at us that God has clarity that He wants to bring into our lives and we find out who we are and what we're living for in Jesus. John 10, 10, we already read out the half, the first half. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Steal, kill, destroy, to bring confusion, turmoil, pain, and doubt into our lives. That's what the devil came to bring. But then Jesus makes this bold declaration, I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. That you would know me, and in knowing me, that you would know life. That when we find Jesus, friends, that's when we find our life. This is such a basic application, but it's literally the whole series. It's the whole message. I need it to be something that resonates with your soul, that you find your life in Jesus. That's where we find out who we are and what we're living for. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Can I read it one more time? Your real life, your real you, your real you is hidden. Hidden. I think the greatest challenge is that we would find a generation that doesn't understand what it means to find God and then still keep searching for Him. You never stop searching for Him. A superficial understanding of who you are is the greatest threat to your happiness and contribution. A superficial understanding of God is the greatest threat to you understanding who you are. So in our lives, our real life is hidden with Christ in God. The answer to the confusion that is so pervasive in our culture today is to keep a life of searching after God. The more we find of Jesus, the more we find of the life that he has for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful pursuit of the one who loves us, who's called us, who's chosen us and predestined us. And the more we search after him, the more we find of who we are. 
We're searching after the Jesus who said in Matthew 11 verse 28, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. We could add, come to me all who are confused, all who are anxious, all who are afraid, all who are depressed, all who are overwhelmed, all who feel exposed in a world. Jesus invites us to come to him with all of our confusion and he promises to give us clarity that we so desperately need. That we might be rested, content, peaceful, clear, that we might be happy being the person that God has called us to me. If you're searching for clarity in all the, f- the fads of our culture, you're just gonna find yourself more and more confused. <laughs> the wisdom of our generation, the search for personal identity in our generation, I think could best be summarized by the statement, you do you, boo-boo. Hey, you just go for it. You do you, boo-boo. So without, without any point of clarity, without anybody to help us or give us an insight, we're all out there trying to discover who we are. Wouldn't it just be easier if somebody could actually say, hey, listen, I understand the original intention. I really do. I, I, I knew what I was intending when I created you. And you can spend your whole life with all these labels and trying to work out which one's really me and which one's not, which one's aptly fitting and which one is misdeserved and you know, going through a whole stage of trying to sample my way to get to a point where I know who I am. Wouldn't it be better if there was someone who actually knew who I was called to be? And I just, I just honestly, as a pastor and a leader, I find myself literally praying for our generation and a verse of scripture just keeps coming into my head and into my head and it's really the birthplace of the seed of this series. It's Matthew 5.13 from the Message Bible where Jesus just said, let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you why you are here. Jesus is saying, come to me. I'll tell you why you're here. Come to me, I'll tell you who you are. Oh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'll tell you, you are Peter. The more you find of who he is, the more you find of who you are. God is wanting you and I to get rid of these labels, these labels that just come on us. The more we draw closer to him, every time I worship. Have you ever found that you can't worship and stay in a place of confusion? Anybody else ever found that like, I come to God and I'm broken and it doesn't make sense and the situation doesn't even change but I just lifted my hands in worship and suddenly it's like in lieu of even getting it, I knew God was with me in it. Does anybody know what I mean? It's like I don't even have a basis for my clarity. It's just found in the presence of God. The Bible says the peace of God that even transcends my natural understanding. This takes the place of all the confusion. That's what God is wanting to bring into our lives. The summer of 2019, coming into 2020, so we're talking like 14 months ago. I went through a a season about two or three months where I was very, very exhausted. And my nutritionist, her name is Shelly Gowith, she's just one of the best in New Zealand, probably the world. She's a legend on television, all over the place. And, And I was seeing her about every two weeks just trying to get my way out of this exhaustion and she was so incredibly helpful and, and did awesome results. But in the middle of it all, when I was starting to get well, 
I started to return to John pre my exhaustion. And I would kind of like get energized, go, and then crash. And as we started to dialogue about this, Shelley said to me, the problem with you, John, is that you don't know when you're exhausted. Like there are triggers that other people have that you just don't have them. You're driven, you're type A personality, you've got a big vision, and you have a strong mind. And so you're exhausted, you just don't know it. So then she took me through this whole process of saying, we're going to identify these physical triggers. When this happens in your body, that's a sign for you that you're exhausted because you're not going to know. But you're gonna, I'm going to give you other things that you can see. And when you experience these, you're going to know that it, you need to actually take a little day off here. You need to power down for a moment so that you can power up. And for me, it was one of the most empowering things that ever happened because I found a new script to help me to navigate energy versus exhaustion. I want to leave you with a rescript. If you're listening to this message and in your life you're experiencing confusion, fear, turmoil, self-doubt, resentment, questions about your identity, I need you to understand that whenever you experience this, re-script it. Know that these are signs in your mind, heart, and soul telling you that what you need in your life is more of Jesus. You need time in worship. You need time in the Word. You need to draw closer to your God. You need to run to the arms of love. You need to draw closer to the God of clarity. Let all the labels of the world fall away and let the plan of God rise up on the inside of you. God wants to make you clear. Come on, let's pray, every single person. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. God, I just feel like you're wanting to minister to hearts and lives through this series. And I pray, strip back the layers, the confusion, the fear, self-doubt and bring us to the point of clarity this is a message we need you are clear help us to find your clarity I pray in Jesus mighty name